Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Special technique of shadow boxing. Mike check one two one two. What's going on, everybody? This is the September twentieth, two thousand and twenty episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show. I am your host, James Bell, the leader of the Boxing Source on social media. You could catch us through Facebook, just going on the page, the Boxing Source. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Boxing Source. You can also follow us on Twitter at Boxing Source Two, and also. Check out the channel, The Boxing Source, on YouTube. Number to dial in is 347-237-5539. That is 347-237-5539. Press the one key to get on cue, and you'll be able to talk live on the show. But right now, we are getting right into it with our special guest from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, coming in with a record of 3-0 and here in the pro ranks. Uh, Mr. Nafir Charles, and I think he's here with uh, Christopher Casey, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, is that correct? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, what's up? What's up? What's going on? Glad to have you on here on the Boxing Source Radio Show. It's been um, yeah, it's been like a couple of months uh, since we've last uh, talked to when that was uh, over there at Loyal Boys uh, Boxing Gym in Philadelphia, PA. So, um, just getting uh, right into it. Um, seeing like um, we have like a fight that is uh, coming up uh, here um, within a few days, if if I'm not mistaken. Next week, yeah, 26th. Uh, that's right. So it'll be September 26th. Uh, it should be at uh, Rock Hill. I think that's Rock Hill, South Carolina, against George Shepard. Uh, uh, is that correct? Yes, sir. Right, right. So, um, seeing as uh, this fight here is going to be, looks like, uh, scheduled for another uh, four-round bout, um, you know, want to see if you can keep your uh, KO stopping streak alive there. You've had three consecutive TKO victories here in the pro ranks, so looks like you want to keep that momentum going. Yeah, I think so. I think we can definitely do it for sure. I'm going to slow it down a little bit, though. They all first rounds. Yeah, you want to see if you can get some work, a little bit more work in before you kind of like uh, take out your yeah. opponent. Get a better feel of the ring, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, you know, going into you know those um, you know wins that you had against uh, Malik Artis, Aaron Palmer, and uh, Joseph Santana, like you were saying, you've you know had. TKO victories either in the first or second round. So, you know, you were pretty much uh, very comfortable, you know, right off the bat in those fights. So it looks like here 
uh, against George Shepard. You want to see if you could get a little bit more work in. But, you know, like we kind of like said, um, you know, earlier uh, in July, if you do have that opportunity to kind of like finish your opponent, if it comes early, then you're going to take it, right? Of course. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, um, seeing here, this one is in uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina. I think what was your pro debut is over in Charlotte, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so um, so you'd be, you know, back around that uh, same little area uh, there in the Carolinas, but um, I know that you've kind of, like, traveled a little bit while you were an amateur, so going back into your amateur career, like, what what locations did you, like, fight in while you were an amateur? Uh, I fought in Idaho, Ohio, um, Texas. Uh, I did a few fights in Philly. I couldn't really get that many over here. Um, West Virginia. West Virginia. Um, where else? New Jersey. New Jersey. D.C. Uh, Georgia. Yeah, I thought I thought pretty much everywhere. Uh, so yeah, you've been up in the uh, D.C. area. That's kind of uh, where uh, we are based. But uh, Idaho, that's that's yeah, that's kind of like out there. I don't know if there's really that much out in Idaho. I haven't really been in that area. So that's w- would you kind of like say that would be the um, kind of like the weirdest place that you traveled to for a fight, or could you uh, name some- somewhere else? Arkansas. Yeah, probably Arkansas. Arkansas. It's uh, it's pretty weird being over there. Some of them was kind of uh, fresh, fresh out, uh, fresh out. You know what I mean? They they was a little bit new to new to be around. So yeah, I probably said Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Arkansas was kind of like the uh, place where you know it kind of like took you a, I guess it took you a little bit of time for you to kind of like get used to that uh, atmosphere in that area. I guess right. Yeah. True. Now, going back uh, here to your pro career, um, you're seeing here that you, you're pretty much around the, um, you know, 135, 140 range. And the last time you know we talked, we went, we see that you wanted to, you know, uh, make some noise at 135. Um, but you know, going into that, are you, you know, still, you know, having those intentions of being on 135 or do you or, um, you know, Brother Chris uh, say, if we feel comfortable having you at 140, then we could try 140? We have, we might actually go wider because, I mean, it's, it's it's progressively easier and easier to make weight. Um, for my stature, I know people, a lot, a lot of people tell me I'm, I'm really big for 135. But it's it's becoming easier and easier to get to 135. So given the opportunities that we may or may not have, we might eventually go to 130. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Or hover now, around, or hover around the idea of going around 140. Gotcha. Now, um, a quick question there for Chris. Uh, seeing you know that might be the case there at 130. Um, do you have them on like a um? you know, either like a workout plan or a diet plan to where he's like making 135 easier right now at this particular point so that later on he could, you know, push to make 130? Uh, we've been blessed since the beginning of his pro career. We have uh, we have uh, Coach Rick, who is uh, Jesse Hart strength and conditioning coach. Mm-hmm. Um, he pretty much does all the dieting. He does all the running. He does all the conditioning strength work. I really don't have to even touch the weights. 
he just comes to the gym and, and we we just box. You know, I mean, we work on te- technique and uh, and defense and things like that. I mean, for for us, it's pretty easy. I mean, he once he follows Rick's plan, you know, everything else is you know clockwork. Got gotcha. Now, um, you know, going into those things that you you know you have uh, working uh, with your son there. Um, I know that he said here at the beginning that he wants to speak and get a few rounds in. Um, you know, if he's able to do that, you know, that's great. But um, what do you have, um, you know, going on with him right now as far as, like, sparring is concerned? Do you have him, at, like, doing a regimen of, you know, let's say 10 or 12 rounds to kind of spar so that once he does get those fights with more rounds in it, that he'll be ready for those things? Uh, we usually keep it between six and eight, um, depending on who the, the sparring opponent is. Sometimes we'll go ten, but um, for now it's usually between six and eight because after he gets done with his uh, his uh, four rounders, which will probably be the next couple fights or so, we'll be hitting up six rounds, and then we'll start doing ten. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, um, you know that you know with. It seems like uh, that you might be, you know, kind of like slowly getting them there to that particular point. Um, you know, given you know what he's been, what he did in his amateur career, um, do you think like those kind of like those six rounders are coming up pretty soon, or uh, does it seem oh, like yeah. you want to? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we definitely we're we're on a fast track for sure. Um, a lot's changed since the last time you saw us. Uh, we signed uh, Rick Ross as, or Rick Ross signed us as our uh, advisor. Um, also, we brought in Ivan Robinson, former uh, champion of the world, uh, as one of one of our coaches to help out. Um, I, I, we've been blessed, man. We had we pretty much have everything at our disposal, as well as him only be just turning twenty years old. So we we got time. We got the luxury of time. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, and I, and I was going to bring up uh, that news of um. You know, you y'all are having uh, Rick Ross and signing with uh, Rick Ross as an advisor. Um, you know, he's been you know a frequent guest on uh, this particular podcast, and we've kind of talked a little bit about you know him, you know, building, um, you know, building himself a uh, you know, roster, so to speak. So that once I once I heard that news of you know y'all uh, signing with Free Ray Rick Ross, I was like, okay, that's you know that's a good little match there because you know he's you know getting getting the uh fighters uh that he needs out there but I know that you know you'll definitely be successful uh having uh Rick Ross there alongside uh Nafir Charles uh here. So uh, once he has this uh particular fight coming up here on Saturday, then we'll see that uh there'll be more things uh coming up uh for Nafir Charles because I know that um Rick had uh something in the works for a like a boxing series um, I think it's like over in Mississippi or something like that. So, um, you know, I'll get in contact with him to see what the updates are about that. But kind of like going to how um, y'all had the initial conversation with uh, Free Ray Rick Ross and how it eventually led to, you know, signing with him. Um, we all we just had some mutual contacts, um, and everybody thought it would be a match made in heaven, and, and it, it actually ended up being so. Um he did, he talked to Nafir for longer than he talked to me, um, and they they hit it off from the very beginning. And uh, for me, uh, I like the fact that he wasn't just concerned about the athlete; he was concerned about the man. Um, you know, things like credit and you know, 
making your purses work for you instead of you working for your purses. Um, you know, boxing is number one, but once you get out of that ring, you know what I mean, life always hits. You don't want to be a poor boxer, you know what I mean? That, that's that's right. something that we, we both agreed on a thousand percent. So uh, the fact that he's helping him with those things along with myself, um, it just makes it that much better for him. Yeah, that is, you know, one thing that uh, Rick Ross is, you know, talking to me about is, you know, setting, you know, uh, people up for, you know, being financially successful uh, outside of the ring, not just inside the ring, but outside of the ring. And, um, you know, the way that, you know, this thing is with boxing. I mean, boxing is still a business. So it's like you got to be able to know how to make the right moves that will be, you know, beneficial to you each time before you step into the ring. Because, you know, a lot of cases where there's a lot of cases where, you know, before the fight even starts, there's fighters that don't necessarily get the right deal and they're signed to have the fight. And so they're not even motivated to fight a lot of them. So, I mean, there's like, you know, even those cases, what was it, like a heavyweight fight where the bell rings and the guy, you know, just goes ahead and steps outside the ring and walks back to the dressing room, you know. So, I mean, you got to be able to, as, um, you know, one person said, protect yourself at all times. And that, that, that doesn't mean just inside the ring, but outside the ring as well. 100%. Now, um, you know, going back to the conversation that um, we had um, back in July, um, you know, I kind of like tried to get at, um, you know, who you would say you kind of uh, looked at as far as like fighters before you started on the fear. So kind of like revisit that as far as like how, uh, who are the fighters that you kind of like looked at um, to kind of like either model yourself after or kind of study um, before you step into the ring? So um, we've, we've like, like my father just said, we've, we've gotten in contact with uh, Ivan Robinson, and uh, he showed me a lot of technique, uh, a lot of stuff that I can add, I can add, I can now add to my, um, to my repertoire. So, so definitely, definitely a lot of Ivan has been, and showed inside uh, my technique, um, mm-hmm. moving towards more of a, a Earl Spence type of style, uh, mainly, mainly always moving forward, always being the aggressor of the fight, always, always staying on the pivot, but also being being available to accurate and precise shots. Yeah, yeah, with the Earl Spence Jr. Yeah, he you know, kind of like it is very economical with his shots, but he does also come forward and, um, you know, throws his shots with, you know, um, very forceful intentions. Um, his his jab is very aggressive, like a uh, come forward jab, you know. Uh, so, you know, that is something that kind of like work, you know, work or model yourself after. Uh, but, you know, like, like we were saying before, um, you know, you've been been there three professional fights, three uh, three knockouts. Uh, so you you're definitely you know on the right track there, um, as far as like your start here with your professional career. Now, uh, you know, going back to you know the fight that's coming up on uh, Saturday, um, you know, uh, 
when is it do you like kind of like start heading down to towards uh, Rock Hill, the Rock Hill area? Yeah. Um we'll probably be up there probably around Wednesday. Uh, around Wednesday, Thursday get the feel of everything. Um like I said, weight is never really a problem, so we don't really have to worry about that. And um yeah, basically just making sure that we're on time. Because we always like to be fashionably on time. So uh, yeah, that that's about it. Gotcha. And you know, with uh you know, your your dad Chris there, I know that, you know, he has you um you know, pretty much, you know, on 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 time with everything and, and things like that and having you discipline and, and keep you you know, on your toes as far as like, you know, what to do inside the ring and what to do outside of the ring. Um, now, other than like, um, you know, having I- Ivan Robinson uh, there with you, um, could you like uh, bring up who else would uh, pro- would be on your team? Uh, either you or Chris could answer that question. Uh, because of COVID, uh, it'll probably just be me, uh, Rick, and Ivan Robinson, but uh, also. We uh we have Danny Davis as our cut man usually. Um we 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 have a whole team of guys that, that uh from our gym that, you know, back us and, and make sure we're all right and usually they would they would all be there with us, but um that it's too many to name at this point. Uh we, we usually roll around with the Grandy twins and all those guys. They usually come with us, but um this time with no spectators, uh, because of COVID, it'll just be us three. Right, right. Yeah, cause yeah, I wasn't sure about what the um, you know, what the rules will be there, um, in the South Carolina area to where either they could you know either have a limited amount of fans or no fans or you know how many people would be able to travel uh, there. So you know once you you know do get down there and you know, they have all the testing and everything goes through, then you'll be able to go forward uh, with that particular fight. Now, uh, going into, you know, being there in Philadelphia, like I said, you know, had that visit over there at uh, Loyal Boys Boxing Gym, um, kind of like uh, revisit, like, how, how long that, that particular gym has been established uh, there in that uh, area of Philadelphia in, you know, how you started with uh, Nafir Charles there at Loyal Boys. Uh, we, we, we started in southwest Philly. Um we went to Loyal Boys about two years ago. Uh, we've been there ever since he started professionally. Um, I've known those guys for years. Those we go way back. So uh, it was one of those things, you know. We all decided to start a gym, and you know, it's been great. You know, just having our own digs and not really having to worry about, you know, leaving at a certain time, coming at a certain time, things like that. So it's just, you know, it's a blessing. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, if you you know, there in another gym, you know, that you didn't basically start, like you said, you have a time slot where you could go in there and you do your work. And then, you know, when you have that type of, you know, thing that you have to, you know, follow, you don't necessarily get all the work in that you probably need to have. You can only work on a certain amount of things while you go over there. So, you know, being able to have your own gym and, you know, get everything done in that gym is a, you know, definite, definite plus uh, there. So, you know, that's kind of good there. And, you know, going off my, uh, you know, last visit uh, there to Loyal Boys, you know, it's it's there where you definitely be able to, you know, do your work and stuff like that. So, you know, everything you need is in that particular gym. 
Absolutely. And and I like for me, like I, I'm extremely private. So uh like with sparring sessions, stuff like that, I close the gym, I lock the door, uh, nobody sees in, no no cameras allowed, you know, none of that craziness that goes on at these gyms. I, I, I just don't do it. I don't do the social media to, uh putting the sparring up on social media. I don't do any of that stuff. I, I'm I'm extremely private. I, I like to, you know, what what happens in the gym stays in the gym. You know, I, the structure that we set uh, is something that I hope will take him through the rest of his life. Uh, for me, uh, as not just his trainer but his father, um, it's not just to protect him but to also instill in him uh, those core values that, that I deem important and uh, hopefully, you know, will carry him through the rest of his life. Yeah, that that's a good point there, you know, talking about the thing with social media because, I mean, you know, these days it seems like <laughs> almost everything – you know, has to be public or publicized or, you know, like I said, uh, either screenshot or selfie or whatever it is. And, you know, what what, what did they say, quote, unquote, back in my day, um, we didn't really do all of that, you know. So it's like having that type of uh, atmosphere is very good because it's like you, you don't necessarily have to show the world every single thing that you do. And right everyone in the world doesn't need to see what you do, you know? Right. Right. I I mean, Hey, look, I think every fighter, every fighter has had their good days and their bad days. And I, I don't necessarily think the good days need to be posted. I don't necessarily think the bad days need to be posted. Uh, it's just, it's just sparring. That's what, you know, sparring is what it is. It's sparring. It's, it's, it's where you try stuff to get better, you know? So if it's something we may be working on in the gym, you know, he may not feel comfortable using it in a fight. So until we get comfortable using it, we use it in sparring. So, you know, if he uses it and it doesn't work right that day or he doesn't execute the way he should and he gets hit, you know, it shouldn't be something that somebody puts up on social media. It's just like, dude, like, you know, mm-hmm. let, let's, let, let's leave it at what it is. This is practice. You know, no, you don't see LeBron James posting his practices up on, on, on the Internet. You don't see LeBron James uh, – Missing dunks, you know, where the dunks that he's trying, you know, when when he's playing basketball, you know, in right. practice. So why why should I show my spar? Yep, exactly, and I know it. You know, goes back to you know, the favorite favorite uh, quotes by uh, you know a few people, a few fans in another sport. We're talking about practice, but it is it, basically that that is what it is. It's not like you know people should kind of like post everything. Like I said before, it's not like, you know, if you were in college, you would kind of, you know, post yourself studying for an exam. So why is it that we got to see everything that a sporting athlete does? You know what I mean? 100%. You know, like, it, like for me, if I was like, um, you know, studying for, I don't know, maybe some kind of computer exam or something like that, it's not like I would, you know, post that up online or anything because what's the point? You know, right. in 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 this instance in, in sports, why would somebody post publicly they're doing in the ring? That's that could be used by your opponent. You know, 100%. so why would you even do that? Hundred percent. I try my best to limit uh, as much as I can. I mean, I know once you get you know ten fights. 12 fights, 13 fights. I mean, the, the tape will be out there. It's nothing you'll be able to do about it. But for now, while we're developing, I mean, that it's just no sense in it to me. 
Right, exactly. Now, um, Nafir, you know, with with that being said, uh, that kind of, you know, keeps you, you know, grounded and focused on, you know, that type of uh, thing there. But, you know, um, going outside of the ring, is there anything that you kind of like do outside of the ring, you know, to kind of like get your, you know, mind off of the sports, so to speak, or to like kind of get your, your mind to like rest off of that? Yeah, so there's been a, a lot of problems lately as of during this pandemic with the black rights. That's the black rights, black lives, black lives matter movement. And uh, I like to make sure that I'm well inquired about everything, so that you know eventually we can get these problems fixed and a lot of the uh, situations uh, taken care of before they can you know, become the before they become future problems, you know. And uh I like I like to keep well well informed about these kind of things. It uh it really, it really means a lot to me to know that, you know, that my people not not all not only as my people as African Americans, but my people as in human beings are not only going against each other but can eventually move together as as unison, and uh, hopefully, you know, I, I don't see things really moving much right now, but hopefully, in the and moving forward in the future, I feel like we, as a as a human race, I feel like we can be unified as one. Gotcha. Now, yeah, that's something to you know definitely you know look at um, as far as like what's happening you know here in you know, not just in, you know, the Philadelphia area, but all around America as far as, like, you know, as far as we are concerned and getting involved in, you know, community, uh, you know, community uh, activities and uh, being active, you know, there in that community, that kind of, like, you know, gives you um, to be aware of what's going on in the community um, or what's in the, you know, what's going on in your neighborhood and working on things to improve things there in your neighborhood and that it could spread out outside of your neighborhood. So that's, you know, definitely good right there. And, um, you know, kind of like see that, you know, brother uh, Chris there, you know, has you on that and, and keeps you uh, focused with uh, community involvement, correct? Yeah, we, uh, we've done a lot of, we've done a, a lot of fundraisers and giveaways and, uh, and mainly just, mainly just, uh, holiday season giving, just like, you know, turkeys for Thanksgiving, toys to the kids that, that can't really afford them for Christmas and stuff like that. We made sure that, you know, a lot of kids get clothes on their back. I've given out I've given out about half my inventory of clothes to, you know, just people that really need it in place where I felt like I haven't used those clothes in months to years. So, um, yeah, we definitely – been trying to improve our community as as a whole. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Now, going into the city of Philadelphia and, you know, the storied history there, like we did talk about, you know, you know, having uh, former fighters there in the gym and being involved there in the um, Like, what does it mean as far as, like, being a part of a fight town like Philadelphia? Like, there's a long history with uh, Philadelphia, like, you know, other cities out there, the New Yorks and Detroits and, and things like that. But Philadelphia has its separate story in itself as far as, like, the sport of boxing is concerned. So, like, 
kind of go into how it, how it is to be part of that Philadelphia boxing history. It's, it's truly amazing. I feel like I've come I've come along in a great part of Philadelphia boxing, and I grew up in a great part of it because I've seen a lot of the legends come out and a lot of a lot of the upcoming potential legends move in. You know what I mean? So um, it's been great. You know, my uh, my initial head coach was um, was Dick Turner, the uh, Philadelphia legend. He was he was a, he was a great coach to me. I mean, he was he started he started me and my father out at at uh, like eleven years old. Um, he died earlier this year. God God rest his soul. Yeah, he he died earlier this year, and um, it, it took a toll, definitely, because he meant a lot to me. Um, but I know that I, I carry that on my back because I know that I want to take not I want to take this I want to take boxing as a high high pedestal as for him as I possibly can because I know he believed in me. And I know he wanted the best for me, so you know it, it really means a lot to me to get the opportunity to fight and and pass and potentially make my way to a world championship in his name. Gotcha. Yeah, and yeah, that's uh, definitely um, a great motivation there. Uh, you know, having that, you know, with him being your first trainer, and uh, now you know with this unfortunate passing. Um, you know, you you know, do everything uh, here in the ring in his memory uh, there. And, you know, like I said, you have this fight coming up September 26th against George Shepard. And I know that, you know, you, you know, have him uh, in your mind while preparing for this particular fight uh, there. So, um, you know, going into this thing here, like I said, um, over in the lightweight division, I did, you know, kind of like say back in July that there was a lot of action there. Um, at lightweight, uh, but you know, here in this conversation, uh, you said, "Hey, it's possible that you could uh, get down to 130 uh, there." So, um, is there like any uh, fighters that within that weight class that either you like kind of seen or work with, or you know, some of the fighters there within the you know, the super featherweight or the lightweight divisions that you could say, hey, this this is somebody that, you know, if I had the chance, I could probably, you know, hang with them either, you know, you know, in the ring or whatever. Um, as of as of now, um, I see myself going in there with anybody at the one thirty division. I mean, it, it isn't much I really see that, you know, I wouldn't say there isn't much that impresses me, but there isn't much that I feel like I should be very mindful of. I mean, I know I know there's a lot of good a lot of good dudes in the division. I also know there's a lot of dudes in the one thirty the, the one thirty five division I'm currently in that uh possess potential problems for me, but I know that there are problems that I can I can well overcome. So, um, you know, we've worked we worked with a lot of a lot of Philly dudes around that weight class, like Damon Allen. Um, we worked with a lot of dudes in the pro in the amateur scene, uh, you know, nationally or not nationally. Um, we worked with uh, people like Hank Lundy, uh, a lot of different dudes. Uh, so many I can't really name all of them, but um, yeah, 
Yeah, we it's definitely definitely something I really look forward to working with those dudes in the future and possibly getting a fight with them. If they possess the the means I have looking forward. So yeah, uh, definitely something I'm really looking forward to. Feel you, feel you there now. You know, with, with that being said, it, it looks like um, you know, you have those plans to kind of like make noise in either one of those divisions uh, there within the next few years or so. And to know that you know your father there, Chris, uh, you know, will be able to guide you uh, there within the, that particular, you know, I would say what two or three year period uh, to where you'll be, you know, a definite contender for a world title in either one of those weight divisions. So. Um, is that kind of like still, you know, what the direction is uh, here at this particular point? Of course. Of course, we, we would never want to deter from that area. We've always moved forward and making it a more definite answer and to possibly get into that position. Gotcha. Gotcha there, man. Um, so, you know, with that being said, um, kind of like uh, – covered everything um there like i said we have that upcoming fight september 26 2020 against george shepherd uh, over in rock hill south carolina uh there so um nafir charles is there anything else that uh you would like to say uh here um no not really yeah and we just want to tell everybody tune in tune into the fight uh most likely to be on facebook uh Facebook Live uh, will be in Rock Hill, South Carolina, Saturday night. Uh, I'll keep everybody posted on times and schedules, so on and so forth. Uh, just keep a lookout for us. We're we going to keep moving. You know, we're going to keep doing what we got to do. You know, in the midst of the COVID, you know, it's a lot of a lot of uncertainty in, in boxing in general. Um, but it seems to be starting to open up a little bit. We're we going to keep moving. Slowly but surely, we'll keep moving. Yeah. Yep. And um, uh, for those that, you know, be listening in or listening in right now, you can follow uh, Nafir Charles on Instagram through Nafir Charles. Uh, and I think uh, they have also on Facebook. Um, but, you know, you can follow him on Instagram, Nafir Charles, and you know, we'll have that uh, those updates as far as, like, the uh, fights being on Facebook Live. Um, you know, once I you know, get that link for that Facebook Live. I'm going to definitely uh, share it uh, there on the uh, Boxing Source Facebook page so that people could tune in uh, through that. So um, that's what we got there. Very thankful for Nafir and Chris uh, to come on here onto the show, and we are looking forward to uh, that action there on September 26th. Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much there. Um, and uh, y'all definitely have a good one. And uh, like I said, we'll see y'all on action on Saturday. Absolutely. Thank you, man. All right. Uh, so there uh, we had Brother uh, Nafir Charles and his father and trainer, Chris Casey. Like I said, uh, he will be in action over at the Hilton Garden Inn in uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina. Uh, against George Shepard. Uh, they say it will be on Facebook Live. Uh, we'll get updates on that to see if that will be official. Um, you know, like we said or mentioned earlier, Nafir Charles is uh, recently signed 
uh, with uh, Free Ray Rick Ross, his uh, Rick Ross is his advisor, um, and you know he definitely are going to be uh, making noise there. Uh, like I said, right now he is three and O, four and O. They're currently in that lightweight division, uh, but uh, they might go down to one thirty at a later point in time. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Now uh, we you know have a lot of action to cover uh, here from yesterday uh, that I want to talk about and also um, do want to uh, touch on a couple of topics uh, that came down from yesterday. Um, You know, one was an interesting topic from a uh, fan of the sport that is involved with another sport and also someone who quote-unquote covers the sport that to me kind of like put the sport down and that was a problem for me but uh, we'll get into that uh, at a later point in time but as of right now you wanted to you know get into a couple of things that you know did go down uh, over in the Mohegan Sun Casino and the bubble at MGM Grand. First, I want to get into the uh, action at MGM Grand uh, with the co-feature bout first and then the main event. Uh, you had the co-feature bout uh, with the top-ranked debut of F.A. Ajagba. Uh, as, you know, F.A. Ajagba, you know, um, was going up against Jonathan Rice. Uh, in his first bout, after being signed with top rank, uh, of course, you know that he was having his fights, um, you know, under that premier boxing champion's banner. Uh, he's, you know, had uh, fights with Amir Mansoor, uh, fights with Rago Kalazde, uh, Rajvan Kajanu, um, before uh, his fight here against Jonathan Rice. And, you know, once I heard that he was signed with top rank, I was like, okay, he's with top rank. And, you know, I've mentioned many times over about the amount of heavyweight fighters that they did sign with top rank over the past year or, you know, say eight to 12 months, uh, with the exception of Jarrell Miller, of course. But you have those, you know, guys that are out there, um, you know, that are pretty much around that range of contending for a world title with the exception of the WBC and Rig Magazine champion, Tyson Fury. Um, and, you know, you also have Kubrat Pulev that is a IBF mandatory that will be facing Anthony Joshua. But given that, you have, um, you know, the Carlos Sackums, uh, you know, you have the Tony Yokas, uh, there that's, you know, under uh, the uh, top rank banner. Um, you know, you, you know, also have Oscar Rivas uh, that's there, which, you know, I'm kind of like waiting on uh, what's what's going to happen there with Oscar Rivas. Uh, but 
uh, now you have Bassett Jogba there, and then they make the announcement that he's fighting a Jonathan Rice, and I'm like, okay, Jonathan Rice. And then, uh, you know, leading into the fight, um, you know, we kind of like seen uh, what was happening there at the weigh-in, and uh, Jonathan Rice was, um, you know, at a uh, fairly good uh, weight there in comparison to uh, what he was um, beforehand uh, when he had been up to uh, 283 pounds before getting stopped by Dempsey McKean uh, back in March. But uh, he got down to about 265, uh, but given that both of these guys have, you know, sparred before, um, you seem like uh, what what is the, um, you know, the strengths and weaknesses of both of both fighters? It kind of like made for a uh, very uh, tentative action fight for both of those guys. Um, and for me, it was kind of like to see where F.A. Jogba is at this particular point uh, against someone of Jonathan Rice's level. And, you know, while F.A. Jogba was able to get a unanimous decision win with two scores of 99 to 91 and one score of 98-92, two judges giving them nine rounds, one judge giving them eight rounds, I wanted to see more out of F.A. Jogba. Um, He is, you know, supposed to be a guy that you know, could eventually be a contender uh, for a world title or, you know, at the very least uh, be uh, there to kind of like contend for one of those top 10 spots in the heavyweight division. And I didn't really see that out of him. Um, You know, I didn't see much emphasis coming from F.A. Jogba that says, okay, um, I'm much better than this guy. I know I'm much better than this guy. And I'm going to prove that I'm much better than this guy. And I'm going to take him out to show that I'm much better than this guy. And he didn't really do that. And the other thing that I saw was that he's still open to a power shot. He leaves his left hand low. He throws a jab, and a lot of people kind of, like, give him, you know, props for having a a, a pretty good jab. But he once he brings it back, he brings it back low, and he doesn't really follow very well with his right hand. So with that being said, a right-handed counter, if someone with uh, confidence and doesn't really um, kind of, like, think that his jab is – that good or if his right hand is that good and if his right hand comes slow then they could go ahead and try to come in with the right hand counter and catch him flush and then he could be in real trouble after that you know um and that's something that we gotta look out for with um F.A. Jogba and you know like I said he gets the unanimous decision win over Jonathan Rice, but um, 
how would he, you know, fare against the likes of a, a, a Oscar Rivas or, you know, possibly a Michael Hunter or a Carlos Hakim, you know, who's a former IBF mandatory contender and fought for a world title. Like, you know, when Carlos Hakim had his fight uh, earlier this year, he was, you know, fairly impressive in his fight. But, you know, that was a, you know, a decision win where he was able to, you know, kind of like tactically uh, be a, you know, better fighter in that particular matchup uh, that he had. But, you know, my thing is, is like, how are you going to have, you know, something uh, with, um, you know, F.A. Jogba, who, you know, was kind of like with it, with this uh, supposed point system of box rec is rated above, I mean, F.A. Jogba is rated above Carlos Sackham, but Carlos Sackham had that win over Jerry Forrest earlier this year. And to me, that was a fairly impressive performance by Carlos Sackham because he, you know, basically did that on short notice because Jerry Forrest was supposed to fight Jarrell Miller. And we all know what happened with Jarrell Miller. So I think that if top rank could have a matchup there in the heavyweight division, I would like to see Efia Jagba against the Carlos Sackham to see where Efia Jagba is in the heavyweight division. You know, both of those guys are around the top 25 or maybe falling a little bit outside of the top 25. Um, so this one here kind of like says, okay, we we see if F.A. Jogba is ready to be at that next, you know, next tier. Um, you know, you have the upcoming fight with um, Joe Joyce uh, there uh, where he's going to be going up against Daniel Dubois. And, you know, in both of those guys, you kind of like see like that they are kind of like right at that point where they could get to that top 20 or top 15, depending on who wins that fight. But they kind of like give you those, they give you those um, little parts where they say, okay, they could possibly do something in the heavyweight division. Uh, there, either they, you know, either they look the part or they show the part uh, there against their opponents. But with F.A. Jogba, it kind of seems like you don't necessarily see that uh, from him uh, in the fights that he's had in the past. Uh, you know, particularly here against Jonathan Rice, uh, he had that fight against Rosvan Kajanu, uh, you know, where he got caught with a good shot. Um, you know, he did have the um, fight against Lago Calazde, uh, where he got dropped in the third round uh, before, you know, we got that stoppage victory. But once he goes up against guys that are much better than Yuvla Calazde or Kajanu, if he still had those issues where he has, he leaves his left hand down, making himself uh, open for that right hand, he's going to have some big problems. And I think that is something that he's going to need to improve uh, there before he could be even considered uh, to be a potential top 15 heavyweight before kind of like intending 
uh, for a world title. So uh, you did have that uh, there as a co-feature bout in the bubble. Uh, MGM Grand Las Vegas main event, Jose Pedraza, Javier Molina. Jose Pedraza was there at 27-3 against Javier Molina at 22-2. and uh, Javier Molina was coming in there with a five-fight winning streak. Uh, last fight, uh, there was a pretty impressive win over a former world title challenger uh, there, Amir Imam. Uh But uh, he got that unanimous decision victory that was uh, at the MGM Grand as part of the uh, undercard for Wilder Fury 2. Uh, but you know, going up against Jose Pedraza, of course, Pedraza, two-division world champion, uh, did, you know, have the uh, fight where uh, he defeated Ray Beltran to be the WBO lightweight champion uh, before losing that belt to Vasil Lomachenko in December of uh, 2018, um, but did, you know, have um, a win and then the loss to Jose Cepeda uh, before going into the bubble against Mikel Lespierre. Remember that uh, particular bout against Lespierre was uh, rescheduled due to one of the trainers of Lespierre's team testing him positive for COVID-19. Um, and then when it came back, uh, you know, Pedraza was able to uh, score a unanimous decision victory, uh, having Lesfier knocked down twice over the course of that fight. Um, and for me, I felt like that was one of the uh, better performances uh, from a fighter ever since, you know, boxing kind of like restarted uh, here in the States and uh, there at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Uh, so it seemed like uh, he wanted to keep that momentum against Javier Molina uh, there. And you know, Molina was, you know, kind of like, like I said, he had that five-fight winning streak. He did kind of start his career uh, there at 147 pounds. Uh, he did have that loss to Jamal James uh, a few years back, uh, then had to kind of like put a halt to his career and then got back into it. Uh, fighting around 140 pounds, and that's where he started that winning streak uh, up to this point against Pedraza. But Pedraza uh, looked to be the uh, better performer in this. He was, you know, the more aggressive uh, fighter. Uh, he also uh, kind of was very good when it came to timing, not only throwing his punches, but looking at what. Uh, Molina was uh, coming at coming uh, at him with and countering those uh, punches that Molina was doing. And he was able to score that unanimous decision win uh, there over uh, Javier Molina. And he, you know, kind of like gets himself to a record of 28 and 3. Uh, like I said, he has those losses of Vasil Lomachenko, Tank Davis. We got stopped by Tank Davis uh, in 2017, and uh, he had the loss to Jose Cepeda. Uh, and, you know, even after the fight against Mikel Lespierre, there were talks about uh, Jose Pedraza potentially being uh, an opponent for one of the world champions there at um, – 
you know, 140 pounds. Of course, you have the unified champions, uh, Jose Carlos Ramirez and Josh Taylor. Um, you know, Ramirez had his fight against the, uh, at the time, the number one ranked contender in the WBC, Victor Postal, was able to get a win in that fight. Josh Taylor will be fighting Apana Sakurian on September 26th uh, there uh, with uh, Sakurian being the uh, mandatory in the IBF. And, uh, you you know, you do have this thing here with um, Pedraza and, you know, kind of saying that he wants to contend for one of those world titles, but right now at this particular point, I don't see him ranked around these um <laughs> these uh sanction bodies. Right? So it's gonna be interesting uh to see how that, that's gonna work. Um maybe um you know at the turn of you know, after the end of this month, we'll see if uh, he'll be entered in in those rankings. But with him, you know, kind of like saying that he wants to face one of those champions, there is another fight that he would like, and that is a rematch with Jose Cepeda. Now, that could get him a potential world title shot if he's able to fight and beat Jose Cepeda. Uh, there and you know get his revenge in that rematch. Um, so uh, that is uh, something that you know I'm kind of like looking at uh, there and you know with um, you know Javier Molina, this is a you know definite uh, halt there. You know he had that five fight winning streak, uh, but he was it looked like he was completely uh, outmatched uh, there uh, against Jose Pedraza. Uh, either you know he kind of like looked a little bit slow. Um, he his timing wasn't you know very good at all, and um, yeah, it w- it wasn't a good look there uh, for Javier Molina in in that particular uh, fight against Jose Pedraza. Um, so uh, he falls to uh, twenty two and three. Uh, we'll see if he you know like I said stays there. In that 140 pound division, uh, because you know before the fight, um, we had you know the press conference and a talk with him, and he said that he was you know very confident uh, there being at 140 pounds, and that you know he kind of he he said he felt good going into this particular fight against Jose Pedraza, but you know his you know overall uh, output uh, there just said like he really couldn't get. Uh, things going in this particular bout. Uh, you know, he only landed 49 punches over the course of that fight. And it was a 10-round fight, like <laughs> like five, you know, average of, you know, pretty much five punches around against Jose Pedraza. That can't cut it. Uh, if you want to, you know, get yourself back into uh, the um, – ranks in uh, these uh, sanctioning bodies for that 140-pound division. You got to be able to do much better than uh, landing 49 punches uh, and throwing almost like 340 uh, over the course of that particular bout. 
Um, so we got to see uh, what's happening uh, there. Um, so uh, that looks like um, uh, what what the uh, issue uh, is for uh, Javier Molina. Um, uh, this is uh, very uh, interesting here. Um, looks like uh, there was someone that uh, you know was trying to. I don't know if they're trying to get into the show or not, um, but um, just have uh, someone calling in here from the 202 area code. What's going on? You're on the Boxing Source radio show. How's it going, man? It's Coach Floyd. How's it going? Yeah, Coach Floyd, man. What's going on, man? Man, What's going on, man? What's going on? Matter of fact, tell you what. Let me get a soldier on the line. Let me call you guys right, right back, okay? Yeah, all right. Oh, okay. I'll call you right back. Let me get those. Gotcha. Oh man, yo, that's Coach Floyd Seymour, man. Yo, after yo, I was I was I was pretty much done. You know, going through the uh, fight card there, the uh, MGM Grand, and I was gonna go into uh, what was going down at the Mohegan Sun Casino. And man, 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 man. All right, I, I I know what's I know what's up. Yes, I am supposedly a quote unquote media member in boxing, right? As we know, with media members in boxing, you get into the sport because not only are you a fan of the sport, but you're a fan of fighters. Okay, and we've had. You know, um, this particular uh, fighter and the trainer that was just on um, multiple times on this show. And the and uh, the fighter is, um, you know, one person that uh, we've, you know, kind of like been behind. Um, you know, the uh, trainer there uh, has, you know, pushed us to kind of uh, be... Uh, supportive of the fighter, and we had been, and I'm telling you right now that yesterday when the fight was going down, it was like the first time in a long time where it felt like I had so much invested behind the fighter that I wanted this fighter to be successful very much so. And like I, I was, you know, in 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 that particular fight, like very invest, uh interested in that fight uh throughout the whole time that it happened. And uh to you know to kinda see that um kind of see like what was uh, happening over the course of that fight um, you know, it kind of like uh, you know, hurt me a little bit to see what the result was, which we will get into uh, there. So, uh, looks like uh, they are back on the line here, two o two. Coach Floyd, what's up? You're, you're back on. Yeah, what's up? What's up? How's it going, man? I'm here with uh, Coach Soldier Breedy. What's up? Oh man, Coach Floyd, Soldier Breedy, man. 
Um, glad to have you on here. Um, man, I, yo, I, I'll, I'll let y'all, uh, you know, talk a little bit about what went down last night. Cause okay. I, I was just saying before you got back on that, like for, for, for the first time in a long time, I felt like I was very invested into a fight that was happening, uh, there in, in very, you know, you know, I, I was like so behind the success of one particular fighter. I haven't like been like that in, in years. Uh, so I kind of go into uh, what went down uh, in this particular fight, and and I'll you know kind of like summarize it on my end. Okay, you wanna you you wanna go? Or you want Kobe to go? Or uh, y'all y'all could go first. Hey, Kobe, you want to go first? Yeah, what's your question again? You want to summarize the fight, how they go down. How it all went down, downtown. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, first of all, man, let me give a shout-out to my amazing people, American people who play DMV. And I, want, I want to thank God. Uh, he will forgive me the opportunity. I thank my coach, my team, for um, everything. Um. It, it was it was it was a very tough fight for me. Um, you know, I got got a little careless in the first in the first rounds um, that that um, I got dropped and stuff. But I managed to um, get back up. I looked at my corner and I told him that um, I met, we you know, made a mistake and um, we just got we just got when the rounds going down. So I basically made my made my mind up. I got win every round, every round from. The two knockdowns. That's where that's where our mind was. We was less about the steel rounds, steel rounds going all the way down. So basically, that's how it kind of went down. Um, first yeah. round. I mean, my my side, same thing with Kobe. At first, you know, I want to thank you guys, you know, for the, you know, the Ball Talk Radio. Um, mm. Thank everybody, man. It, it was. Thank Al Heyman, thank Barry for giving us a hand. Um, you know, thank Collier for being such a soldier and a warrior that he is. Um, man, it was it was a, it was a great night. You know, um, fortunately it didn't go the way we wanted to go. You know, but you know, um, couple simple rookie mistakes that was made in the corner and also being in the ring. Um, you know, our game plan was to go out there and uh, win every round. First of all, so. Going out there boxing this kid was that was that was what we planned on doing. They were talking about, yo man, you need to get in there and fight him. Nah, nah, we're not gonna fight. We're not gonna fight Tug. We're gonna box him and beat the brakes off him. And that's what Kobe started to do. And um, you know, the rookie mistake that we told Kobe that what happened was like he got too comfortable in the first round. The last five seconds, and I lost my voice. Sorry guys, I lost my voice. So yeah, just trying to get my voice back. Um five seconds of the round and he got clipped and but like a soldier he got up and that's you know if he saw me in the corner i was like yo man that you know we just get back on your ball and it happened again the second round you know he's backing up and he took uh, the left hook and by kobe back you know it's all balance and he tripped backwards and i'm like dang again so so staying calm i mean it's only two rounds we still got 10 to go bro we could beat this fool for ten rounds, and um, yeah, 
That's how it went down, man. Ten round fight, just grinding it out, showing the, the crowd, the people, who the soldier is, what he's made of, and mm-hmm. you know, I know, I know a lot of people are on the edge of their seats every single round. That's like a Rocky fight, man. Yeah, you know, Rocky fight. Yeah, I mean, that was a very, very good action fight uh, there. And, you know, for me, I was watching that fight. and I was like looking at the first round and I was seeing like, you know, like Kobe was a much to me was a much faster fighter uh, there Uh, was popping, you know, popping two or three punches at a time and everything like that. Um, But you know, like you were mentioning there, you know, kind of like the mistake was, I mean, I feel like the mistake was positioning because uh, they're pretty much at the end of the first round. You kind of like got to, you know, around that mid range. And, you know, when he had, when Kobe had the, his left hand down, that's when, you know, uh, two star was able to come in with that punch and Kobe kind of came forward and that momentum kind of like sent him back you know, to put him down on the canvas there. So to me, that kind of like took off that momentum because to me that was that was like a three point turnaround right there because Kobe had that. Yeah, it one. Like that it gave it gave Tug that, that confidence. And oh my God, that second one time that gave Tug even more confidence. You know yeah. so yeah. It, it happened. Mm-hmm. In, uh, and that, that second round. Yeah, that second round one was, uh, that was positioning, kind of like foot positioning again, because it was more of, like, I didn't, like, to me, I didn't see, like, Kobe really hurt from any punch there, and the last punch that took shot through that I saw, to me, kind of, like, really didn't land on Kobe. So when Kobe went backwards, it was the feet, and you kind of, like, see the feet tangling and that's when Kobe kind of like tripped and then went back. So that's how the momentum went. You know, had him going backwards that you know that way. So mm-hmm. like you were saying, you know, you had to come back in like ten rounds, and and I was like, you know, seeing everything that was happening. Like you know, he was first with the jab, very aggressive with the jab, and everything like that. And you know, uh, Coach Floyd, you know, we were talking about the styles. And, you know, being there at the uh, Higgins Sun Casino with no fans, you can hear everything that's out there. So all I know is I heard a voice go, Matador, Matador. And I was like, okay. I was like, okay. I knew what I knew what uh, style that he's, you know, trying to imply for uh, Kobe to implement in the ring. And that's, you know, pretty much what he was doing, you know. And, you know, Tusa had to kind of find Kobe around the ring. For you know the what was it from the third through the seventh rounds at least you know yeah and yeah. Uh, yeah even with that yep yep and that's basically what it was it was ring generalship and you kind of like seen you seen them rack those rounds into you know make that comeback you know to make that comeback and um. You know, I was like, okay, he he's kind of getting it now. He's kind of getting it. He's he's coming back. He's coming yeah. back. And, and and it was like going through those, you know, going through those twelve rounds, and you know, kind of like uh, seeing, you know, when they had that uh, the the scorecards, you know, run, uh, going down, and 
they had the thing with Feldman, uh, you know, say the thing mm-hmm. for uh, Tucson and Neon Bayer, and then Don Trella had the thing 115, 111 uh, there, you know, for Breedy. And then Steve Weisfeld read that score, and then they said the winner was like, oh! I know. Now, you know, felt like felt like a Rocky movie, man. I swear to you, that was that felt like Rocky won. God felt for real when when Rocky Rocky lost or some bull. Yeah, and and I was like, and I was thinking, and I was like, man. It's like those two, those two, those two rounds, man. Those two rounds, like really, wow, cost us, man. Yeah, it cost, yeah, it cost them. I was like, man, but you know, given given the circumstances, there five weeks, like it took five, you know, five weeks to prepare for a fight of this magnitude, and Kobe mm-hmm. was able to show up and show out. You know, for you know those twelve rounds, with the exception of you know making those two mistakes, you know what I mean. So, and and I and I you know see what you know a lot of people are saying about Kobe and what he's been able to do, you know, there in the ring uh, from other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yep. Where Kobe? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, no, no. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't. Did you ask me? You ask me a question or something? No, I was like, you know, making a comment about you know Kobe's performance, you know what he was able to do over twelve rounds, and how like Kobe, uh, you know, for his performance because it, Man. you know, going into that particular fight, they of course they didn't really know much about Soldier. So it was like right, okay, right. seeing what took something. The world know him now, but we haven't seen what. Now the world know him. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Now the world know him, and like I say, if you think about it, it's almost like a Rocky fight. I mean, Rocky won when he lost uh, Apollo. Okay, when he lost mm-hmm. Apollo. Um, you know, the fight was great. The training, getting ready, preparation. But what happened is um the, the two mistakes, simple mistakes. I mean, you know, Tug is a good fighter. I mean, you know, he's the best in the world, an amateur, second best in the whole world, silver medalist. Mm-hmm. And Kobe, the Asian guy, came out of nowhere, shocked the world. I mean, yeah, we might have lost the fight, but we won the crowd. And that's the main thing, winning the crowd, winning the people, that the people see who you are. You know, and that's what Kobe did. He showed the people who the soldier is. That's exactly. really all we can ask. Our next move is getting the rematch. We know he's not going to give us a rematch. You know, so two to one, what's going to happen is, hey, he go ahead and fight for the title, win the title. Then we get the rematch. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Then we get a rematch. Mm-hmm. Then I think that'll be even a bigger fight. Because now the guy who we saw big beat Doug is actually fighting him again for his title, for the title that was really ours. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. Say now I gotta bring fight. I gotta bring in uh, someone else uh, here uh, from yeah. the six four six area code. Uh, he he also is you know there at the edge of his seat for this particular fight. 
Uh, I'm, I'm sure you you know who 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 could be on the who could be on the line here. It's the president of the Deontay Wilder fan club and the vice president of the Kobe Sochabridi fan club. Thank uh, Mr. Matthew Brown. You're on live with us. What's going on? Oh man, I'm heartbroken, Jr. I was really looking forward to God having Rihanna walk him down the aisle. <laughs> I was looking forward to it, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Right, go ahead. <laughs> nah, but you know. You know what? I hope we don't know. <laughs> nah, Kobe, you're putting that work, though, man. I was I was very proud of the performance that we got out of Kobe. Uh, you know, uh, like I told you yesterday, JR, while we were talking, that freaking first round eating at me, man, because that first round, I felt like Kobe had that first round and then got caught with something silly right at the end and I felt like that would have flipped the scorecards. I'm, I was telling you before they announced the decision, that first round knocked down is looming large because he had that round and yeah. sure enough, those damn scorecards, man. I mean, it was damn. a fair decision. I thought the fight could have went either way. I personally had to fight 114 to 112 for, for, for Kobe, but, you know, it didn't go his way. Yeah, we were fighting so out of hole, man. We were fighting out of hole, man. I mean, those first two rounds, me as being yeah. the, the guy in the corner, I already knew we were down four points. I mean, we were yeah. already down like four rounds, bro. I mean, four. So and, we got to climb honest, out of the hole. It, it looked like it looked like um, King Tug ain't know what the hell to do with with, with Kobe when Kobe started when he started boxing. Once he started, you know, getting his movement, his lateral movement, peppering him, hitting him with the with the right hand. It looked like King Tug ain't know what the hell was going. On. He to me, I was saying this to Jr. King Tug was fighting like he wasn't expected the soldier to be standing up at the time he was standing up. He thought it was going to be an early night. But, yo, I got yo, so hard. He showed skill, which is the most important. He showed boxing skill. He showed heart, determination. He had the decision. And, unfortunately, you know, it's boxing. You know, it didn't, didn't go our way, man. Yeah. You know those last three rounds, 10, 11, and 12, um, to be really honest, Kobe could have went out there and Manador or skate, even soccer again. Really, I started to say soccer, but he went out there and dance around and and box. But I, in a, in my heart, I kind of wanted. I just like man, how would it have been? We going out, we going for broke. Toro, yep. Toro, sit Toro, the bull, yes. go at him, go mm-hmm. him. And and I wanted because I'm sitting next to the judges and I could hear what they're saying. You know, and I hear him saying about, you know, oh, he's moving around, he's blah, 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 and he's not doing enough if he's moving around. But I'm not I'm not letting that phase me because I can hear the judges right on the side of me. So I was like, okay, this last round, we're going straight to get this kid. But I already know once you stand in front of Tug, he can let off on you. He can pee off and try to get his quick little flurry that he can move. Yeah, he so, needs a deep set to, to, to let his hands go. And, and to yeah, me, he needs you to stand in front of him. Up on that right away, and, de- and let him get his feet set all night. All night, 
on like, but you see the, the last three rounds when I was like, me and Barry Hunter was like, sick him, go get him, go get him. It was yeah. more like to show the people that, yo, despite everything that happened, Kobe is still running this kid down, running him down. And, you know, I think that impressed the crowd a lot, impressed the judges a lot, you know. Um, but it happened, you know. Could have boxed, but that's where we saw the box. Yeah, that last few rounds there where, you know, it just felt like, you know, Kobe was hungry, so he was going all in uh, on there, and he was just attacking like nonstop. Bye, 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 Kobe. Hello? Hello? Kobe, so that, yeah, how did you feel those last two, three rounds? I felt like he, I felt like, um, I felt like I took all his, his, um, his power away from him. I feel like he was getting a little tired. Because I felt like he was like, they didn't know who I was or who, what I was about to do. They thought it was about to have an early night. So when when I when, I, when he see me sticking around around, it kind of it kind of discouraged him. I was like, damn, this dude's still here. Yeah. 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 And and what was it? I think it was around the uh, seventh or eighth round was when um your eye was uh, starting to close up, Cobia. And I think mm-hmm. he, yeah, he, he kind of like felt like he would, you know, kind of just like, you know, walk you down and, and just, you know, see if he could finish you. And you would like still there, you were, you know, moving around, you were, you know, throwing like a little bit of a shell defense and, and other things and still like moving your feet around. So it's like, he couldn't really walk you down and he couldn't really corner mm-hmm. you, you know? So once that happened, uh, you know, you were still throwing the jab, and to me, I, I saw you throwing the jab as like defense at times. But you know, even yeah, then, the he still wouldn't go for it because it was like he was reluctant to see what you would do uh, after he threw a punch. Yep. Yeah. So man, it was a it was a good fight, man. It was a tough fight for me, man. Like I like I said, my left everything in that ring that night, man, and um. Uh, um, the minor knockdowns and stuff. I can't. I get back up and I fought my way up. I fought my way up and I wanted the victory. I was like, man, that, that's not gonna stop me. And I fought my way back in the fight. Yeah. How did I mean, you yep. get up from those knockdowns and still was able to maintain your poise and composure to get back into the fight. Man, it was. Man, it was like it at first when it first happened. I kind of, I, I kind of I I panicked a little bit because after the bell, but I looked in my corner. I said, "Man, I got this." And then when it then when it happened again, it was like it happened again because I felt like I was down. That that that, that like I'm down. I gotta catch up. And right after the second knockdown, I was like, "Man." I gotta just calm, keep my keep myself calm, and just just see the rounds going going up from here, and that's what I did. I was like, man, because I felt like I was like he 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 had that one punch. I was like, he can't hurt me no more. I'm good. So I'm a I'm a boxing for a little bit. I'm a I'm a stay in front of him. I'm gonna give him a different look. I'm gonna step into the body, and then when the later rounds come down, I try to back him up, press press the fight. So it it was a lot, man. It was a lot I had to do, and a lot we had to uh, we had to come, overcome in this fight. So it was a great fight. 
how did you guys identify the strategy to um, keep Tugs moving backwards? Because I kept hearing the corner saying he can't fight going backwards um, during the fight and made the adjustment. Yeah, that's something. That's something we knew during the fight because we we already know we already know like he he, he he's an uh, Olympic boxer so he probably got a little bit of amateur boxing background. So we already know he got that little experience. So, so when he turned pro, all he was been doing is knocking everybody out and just coming forward and landing their right hand. So, when, as the rounds go on, when I keep using my jab, I keep seeing him like when I jab, he was like inching back. So my jab was making him back up. And then when my coach, when my team said, when my coach and everybody tell me just back him up, he can't fight backing up. And every time I, every time I um. He go he backing up. He can't step. He can't step through um through his right hand or step to throw a bunch of punches because I'm forcing him back. So that's how we realize, man. He can't. He's not really a back. He's not a really fighting backwards. He can He don't really can't. He can't really fight going backwards. He has to get on his rhythm, man. He's getting on his rhythm, coming forward, and you know what we call like a soccer style, like with Roy Jones, or whatever. He got to get in his rhythm. You got to keep him off his rhythm. <laughs> Hey man, you know you know what that reminds me of uh, when it comes to uh, Neon Bayer not being able to fight backwards. Don't 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 you dare disrespect my guy right now, man. No, that's not who, that's not who we're talking about. Oh, uh, 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 okay. <laughs> so we come out to about to slander the great. Bronze Bomber. <laughs> uh, no, no, because even, even him, he was able to score a knockout while fighting backwards. So it's not this him. Is true. So who are we talking about? Gennady Golovkin. He yeah. can't fight going backwards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it takes certain fighters to actually expose stuff like that. I mean, because, I mean, Golovkin was a man. He's still a man. It's like, who beats him? And look who beat him, a great, great, great fighter, you know? Um, and that's why I said it takes certain fighters to expose certain fighters, and, you know, you got to figure them out. And, you know, when Kobe was talking about his seven styles, and even my wife called me and said, how many styles does Kobe use? <laughs> I was like, okay, how do you attack the guy? Yes, that's one. Okay, did he move around the ring? Two. Okay, at the beginning of the fight, did he, like, fence the guy? Yeah, that's three. I think he's going to keep pounding him, you know. But, yeah, man, it was it was one of those fights, man. It was one of those fights, so, yeah, now, you know what I mean? In, in- and in one of one of our earlier conversations, you you recalled one time when uh, Kobe was, um, you know, there working with Gary Russell Jr. And all you were doing was just doing uh, practice and like defensive stances and stuff like that. And it kind of yeah. like seemed like it was, you know, shown there during um, you know the midpoint of the fights, like you know five, six, and seven. You seen you know Kobe like stand there and just move you know move his head around, move his body around to where yeah. Tukstock really couldn't do anything, and by the time he would actually think about throwing a punch, Kobe is not there. He's already at, the, uh, you know, another part uh, of the ring, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's when, you know, I've seen, like, multiple styles being incorporated uh, during this particular fight, but, yeah, as far as, like, uh, Neon Byron not being able to fight backwards, yeah, that's, you know, that was shown there in the last parts of the fight, 
And man, you know, when Kobe was just wild, punches, that's like wow. six or seven punches at a time, and and the umpire really couldn't kind of like deal with that. Yeah, and 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 he had yeah, it was twelve rounds. Everybody, uh, everybody was like my people back home in Barbados. Everybody was like so happy and so proud yeah. of me. They was like, they was like, man, you, you got you, a great represent us, man. Represent us, man. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, here's here's how I look at it too. If that second round, even the second round where Kobe went down, and we really it was all balanced, backing up, he did get able to punch. He moved mm-hmm. backwards and he went back. He tripped and he rolled over, right? And I'm like, man, even if that didn't happen, God damn! It's like, dude, that would have still been like a what? A split decision? We the one? We yep. still won by a split decision because that's a ten eight round. So we're in such a hole, man, climbing out this goddamn hole, you know. And, and you know, I know the fans and the people's on the edge of their seat, round after round after round. And I heard the judges were talking a lot of smack. I still, you know, I still haven't seen it yet. Matter of fact, I just woke up about an hour ago, Kobe. I was sleeping all day, man. Hmm. Um, we we got oh. home. We we like three last night, three this morning. We just got in this morning about eleven and. Got some breakfast and went straight to sleep mm-hmm. all night long. Um, yeah, and you were the first person we called, bro. First person I called once I woke up. <laughs> oh man, yeah, 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 man. Yeah, man. But, uh, yeah, crazy. Yeah, so y'all drove back from Connecticut, man. That that drive, man. No, no, we flew. Yeah. We flew, man. They oh, yeah, flew. Yeah. They flew from Connecticut yeah. to North Carolina, then back to DC. On a crazy flight, man. Oh, connector flight. Oh, man. What's that? Man, that was American Airlines. Yeah, American Airlines. Barry Hunter, Barry Hunter, roll out. He's going straight to Baltimore, man. He's like, I'm going straight to Baltimore. He must have been on a spirit flight or something, cause yeah. <laughs> the spirit goes. I try, I try, I try to change the tickets. As I hope all the tickets are done. I'm like, damn man, we gotta go from three. And you know what? I'll probably leave at six, but we gotta be there for at three. So that means you yeah. waking up at two, and, and it's an hour drive from Mohegan Sun to the airport. So that means we get out of the ring at eleven, twelve at night, eleven o'clock. Yeah. Man, I'm whole, no sleep, bro. No sleep. Oh, um, man. I'm still trying to trying to digest this fight where the whole Caribbean islands calling us and you know people calling and just so excited and you know and uh, you know you know it's like when it, you know when they say a bittersweet loss. <laughs> what the hell is a bittersweet loss, man? This is a bittersweet loss, you know, because you lost, you know, it's bitter as hell, but. Everybody is so happy with the fight and stuff. So we'll be back, man. I told Kobe. And you know what? I think um, um, the guy asked earlier about what made Kobe a gal up. Training, bro. Training, man. We train like a beast for this. You know, I mean, Kobe had trained like a beast all the time. That's what people understand. And when we got the call for this, you know, we just fit what we're doing. But when you see Kobe running that bridge or or pulling the sled for miles, Soldier, man. Soldier. Then you need the heart. You need, yeah. Barry Hunter, what Barry Hunter said, Kobe? He's the Kraken. 
Yeah, you know what he said about uh, guys will check out. Oh man, Barry on the swap. He's like, man, you know what yeah, he got? Yeah, he was there. He was just he was saying a lot of dudes would have like say certain people to check out like would give up after that and knock down or or, yeah. or lose something. Yep. Yeah, people would check out. So it was one of those nights, man. I mean, um, yeah. shit. And, and going to um, you know, what you were saying, uh, Coach Floyd, with the thing with the judges, you know, like like I was saying, is when 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 you're like in an arena and you're fighting and there's like no you know auxiliary noise, there's no crowd noise, you can pretty much hear like every voice, right? And you kind of like hear what the judges were you know talking about during the fight, and you okay. know Matt and I was watching the fight. And, man, those commentators, man, I was getting upset, man, because they were like, oh, Neon Buyer's doing this, Neon Buyer's doing that. I'm like, he ain't doing anything. <laughs> like, what are y'all yeah. watching, you, bro? Because you know what it is? Like, like Kobe would hit him with two or three shots. <laughs> Neon Bar would hit him with one shot. Well, I think Neon Bar won that round because he had the power. Well, well, no shit. We know he had the power going into the fight. Now let's watch and see what's actually going on in the ring. Steve Foster yeah. had me pissed off. I'm like, what kind of scorecard is that? He was like, oh, I guess the judges didn't agree with me. Steve Foster had it like 118, 110. I'm like, bruh, what fight are you watching? Like, this dude is is putting the hands on King Tug, getting in, getting out, get in, get out, get in. Like, I, it was like a robbery in there, man. Like, he was just burglarizing the house. Taking everything he wanted, and then just left before Naba even got out of bed, and that's what he was doing the whole night. So I'm like, "What are you guys watching?" So I knew he ain't had no chance on the damn card. Just listening to the com. Oh, well, look at the power. I'm like, "Oh, they, they, they really, they gonna get this dude this fight, or they gonna narrate it to the point where if Kobe gets the decision, they're gonna claim it's a robbery." and try to force the rematch. Like, to me, it was only a couple ways that I was going to go. Yeah. You know what? You know what? Here's a couple of things, guys, where I think you guys didn't even know, man. Before the fight, the day before the fight, they already got a video game out with his now by B. Cobier, an unanimous decision. Okay. You know the video game with the fight? What, what game called, Kobe? The fight what? Fight night. Fight night. Man, they yeah. already created a game, bro. Fight night. So we're watching this shit, right? What the hell? They already got it. And we, me and Kobe playing the game in the room. And we got, and I got to watch this? Oh, hell. For the whole 12 rounds. <laughs> then what happened after that? You know, when the commentators, and this is something that you guys don't know, but what a lot of people don't know. We're in the dressing room, okay? And you know how you prep before the fight, right? You prep before. You're in the dressing room getting warmed up. But the yeah. announcers are prepped. Dude, but the announcers are prepping that Nyambe already won the fight. And we can hear everything they're saying while we're in the dressing room. We're listening to the TV. Wow. What the hell? They're like, yeah, then uh, Nyambe won unanimous decision, guys. What do y'all think, Steve? And they're like, talk. What the fuck? And they like, we're fighting. We ain't even going. At least you could say, well, let's go. Kobe won the fight. They practice in their voice, their speech, how they're going to give it. Dog, and, I'm like, what the hell? Like, like, listen to the telecast. We were like in the breath yeah. listening to this. He had his headphones on, so he really didn't hear maybe that much. Mm-hmm. But when he looked at me, I'm like, I guess they're just prepping, you know, their little speech, da-da-da. But, dog, 
how does it feel? You about to go in the ring and they practicing your your like your funeral speech. Yeah. Well, Floyd died a really nice guy. Wait, nigga, I'm like, damn, right here. Some bullshit, yeah. man. And so, and, and oh, here's the last thing. What's the little guy named the announcer, the young dude, the boxer? Abdomarez. Abdomar ran out when we got out of the dressing room. When we got out of the ring and came out, Abdomar ran out before we was leaving. Shaking our hand. Oh, man, you guys was a great fighter. I'm like, dude, you left the stand, ran all the way in the back here while we get ready to go to the dressing room to leave. Shaking our hand, telling us it was a good fight. I'm like, you're a fighter. You know what time it is, man. You know how this works. You know? Yeah. No, but you know I will works. give Adam Mares credit because during the telecast, he was the only one talking about what was actually going on in the ring. <laughs> the rest of these guys, were, were acting like Nyambar was doing all this big damage. And Morris was like, no, no, uh, uh, Breedy's really moving, and he's, he's upsetting him, and he's outworking him. So it, it, it's not and that's what we're saying, the speed. That's what I'm saying. They're practicing their speech before, and it's like, if you, it's me and you, and it's me and you practicing our, our call before we have a call. Like right now, we're on the line, right? We're we on the call. And we're practicing our call. And, you know, I, I don't think I should say too much because I don't want them to do the showtime come get me. But I just didn't like no, the way no, they went out. Please don't mess up the future bag. Yeah. Yeah. Secure the bag, bro. Secure the bag. Don't <laughs> do anything hey, to hey, give hey, up hey, the bag. Hey, All right? Hey, hey, hey but listen, the announcers did a great job. They they called it the way they saw it, but you know we got. It. They did a great. They did okay. I'm yeah, not lying. You, you know, they, on point. Yeah. They, leave, they leave, okay. leave all the critiques to us. We'll handle all that. We'll leave handle all that. Leave them shit in the ring. It's crazy. Oh. Yeah, but you know what, man? Like I said, a rematch, bro. The rematch. He needs to go win that title and give us that title shot. That's what it is. Yeah, is we. Yeah, we're gonna be definitely demanding that rematch, man. Cause yo, that yeah, that was like to me that was uh, you know most most uh, action packed fan uh, fight of the night uh, right there. And and I kind of like seeing that some people did compare. Um, Kobe Abridi to uh, Tim Bradley with you know with that fighting style, man. Oliver, yeah. Matter of fact, um, I mean, not only that, I mean, you know, they got Kobe a rank. His ranking went all the way, you know, all the way up. Almost, we almost soon be number one ranking again. You know, um, his ranking got better. Everything. It's like that's what I said. Bittersweet. You know, I mean, the fight was. Fight was on, you know, and it was a good fight. Simple mistakes we made in the corner. Simple mistakes we made in the fight. But it's experience. You can't buy experience. You only get experience, experience. Then what would you do with your experience? And um, mm-hmm. learned a lot in this fight. Yep. And he definitely got that. And, and you know, like we were saying, you know, when this uh, fight was announced, um, you know, it was something to the point where, you know, y- y'all were building towards 
another fight that was going to happen, you know, either, you know, what was that, the 26th or sometime early October. But then, you know, he got this opening in order to get this fight. And so, you know, once you got this fight, you were like, okay, this is, you know, this is what we're going to be basically preparing for, so to speak. So uh, you were like, oh, we got this opportunity. Let's take full advantage of it. And that's, you know, what, what uh, Kobe, uh, you know, was able to do, you know, took advantage of it, did, you know, everything that he, you know, uh, tried to do there. It was just those two, you know, little mistakes and that, you know, kind of, and, and that was what cost him the fight there, man. And I was just so, yeah, I was just so gutted, man. Yeah, it just hurt. It's like I was saying. Yeah, hey, but Matt, I really hope you guys and the fans enjoyed the fight. Y'all enjoyed to see Kobe Soldier Brady. Y'all can to see him again. You know what I'm saying? And and you guys were delighted, you know, because, I mean, it only comes once in a lifetime or twice, maybe three times in a lifetime when you see a young athlete just come out of the smoke and just 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 come out of nowhere to give the, 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 the fight game some action, some life again, you know. Because, I mean, that fight, and like you said, I think that was the best fight of the night, first of all. And that was the best fight that people have seen in a long time. The only thing that could have gone made that fight even that much sweeter if Kobe had knocked his ass out in like eight or nine rounds of bullshit like that. Put him out. Yeah. You know, that would have been a straight Rocky fight, you know. But it's still like a Rocky, you know. It's like a movie. And, you know, his story ain't done, man. He's just getting started. Yeah, man. Yep. Definitely, man. Yo, Matt, Matt, you were you were gonna add something in? Nah, man. I'm just gonna go and listen to some Rihanna, man. <laughs> hey, man. I wish I wish Rihanna see this shit, man. She's like, man, <laughs> make her cry, make her want to come see us now. <laughs> hey, we can get there, bro. Matt, we can get there, man. We can get there for real. Yeah. Hey, Kobe. We can get one day. Hey, one day. We get Riri, man. Riri. But listen, man. You know, I'm I'm gonna have to go. I appreciate you guys calling, man. I appreciate this. you guys doing what you're doing, Matt. Jim, keep doing what you're doing, bro. And you know, me and Soldier, we over here on this side. Keep doing what we're oh, doing. Oh, man. Coach Floyd, Kobe and Soldier Breedy, man. Thanks for calling in because, yo, I mean, that was just, uh, yeah, that was, uh, you know, fight that, you know, I was, you know, looking night, forward definitely. to. Man, and, and 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 before you know, you and Matt uh, got on. I was like saying for like this was like the first time in probably a good amount of time where I was so invested into a fighter because you know when you're you know you're a fan of the sport and you're a fan of fighters, it's one thing. With you know covering the sport, mm-hmm. you kind of like approach things differently. But you know, following you know coach, uh, you know you coach and following Cobia. You know, ever since we uh, linked up a few years ago, um, and, and we see like you know what what Kobe had been able to do, you know, up to the point uh, to this fight, you were like, okay, this is the opportunity that he had been looking for. This is the opportunity that you were working uh, for him to get. Like you were gonna, like you were saying, what his plans was gonna be to be world champ by this, you know, this, you know, this point. Hey, you know what? Just to cut you off, just let you know, yeah. I'm still at my word. I said before we yep. hit 25, two in a world title. That's yep. only 16. We got one more to go. Okay, Let so go. I'm, I'm still go. on my grind. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm still there, bro. I'm still there because, yeah. you know, my first when we, hey, Kobe, I know Kobe got a video too. Our first fight, our video was like before we take the slow road, before we hit 20 fights, we will get that world belt. And Kobe yeah. will get that world title before 20 fights. I mean, I'm still stamping on that, bro. Yeah, that's still yeah. I feel like that will still happen now, man. So, like I said, thankful for you know Kobe Abridi and you, Coach Ford, for coming on here, and y'all get some rest because like like you were saying, y'all just got back. Dude, just got back, fight, man. So hey, you know what? It is, man, that eleventh round, my voice is gone. I could not talk. <laughs> Dude, you know when you have to. <laughs> Dude, you know what it is when you can't talk and you got to use another voice that you don't even have? <laughs> yo, yo, I was so glad Barry Hunter was there, man. I'm giving Barry sign language and shit, man. And, and, Kobe, and Kobe, we need to work on our sign language in the ring, too. Because that was some books. Hey, no, 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 no. You guys, y'all don't understand. Kobe, let them know, but everyone understand when you can't talk and this is the 11th round of the championship and you trying to freaking talk, bro. That's why I was glad the doc. Man, they had a sucky cut man in the ring, man. Our cut man suck. Oh, boy. Kobe, tell them about the cut man. They provide you with their own cut man, right? Oh, hell. Yeah. Wait, that wasn't your cut man? No. 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 Wow. Barry Hunter was like, yo, the same way as um, like how they do with Top Rank. Top Rank, you know, they just provide two cut men, basically for every, almost pretty much for every fighter that comes so through give, the bubble in the Las Vegas. So over in uh, Mohegan Sun, it's pretty yeah. much the same way. I'm, I bet. Yeah. And, they, and, they and the more experienced cut man was in the other corner. The more experienced cut man was in the other corner. Wow. You know. And this dude was like, very like, yo, where the N12? Oh, it's like, get the goddamn N12. He got to go out the ring. Time he come back in the ring, he put it under his eye, the bell ring. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, so it was, it was some shit happening. But it's all good, man. It's all good. Okay. All right, guys. Soldier, right. we'll get some rest. We'll chat tomorrow. Guys, thanks a lot for the call. Talk later, James. All right, man. Coach Floyd, Kobe is Soldier Breedy. Oh, thanks for we'll calling, man. We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Okay. Oh, man. All right, man. All Just right. keep the hype going. Keep the hype going, brother. Oh, All right. that'll definitely happen. Thank you, bro. Okay. Thank you. All right. Oh, man. It was, man. Yeah. Coach Floyd, Kobe, and Soldier Breedy, man. Yo. I'm still gutted, man. Oh. <laughs> wow. I haven't been with somebody that hard since March. Oh, yeah. My boy Konaki got sent to hell. Oh, man. Yeah. But that, but that, yeah, that last part, though, man. Yeah, that was key. Because I didn't know about you, the cut, man. Yeah, I mean, I, like I was saying with the top rank, like you got Stitch Duran out there, um, and you got like uh, another cut man out there. Um, you know, I I would have to you know look it up because they have it like in the um, you know the fight info, 
But that's what they do in the bubble because they want to minimize the amount of people that are there that, you know, are basically working the fights. So the same thing happens with the Mohegan Sun Casino. And I'm like, we, we, we were watching the fight, and we seemed like, you know, uh, Breedy had that eye pretty much uh, fairly closed. And, yeah, like, we didn't see no inswell. We didn't see, like, no you know, Vaseline, if there was a cut or something like that. And if you think about it, like, during the fight, remember, it was, man, I forgot, like, which round it was, but the referee had halted the bout and had the doctor come in to, you know, look at Kobe Breedy's eye and to see if uh, Breedy could see out of that eye. And, you know, didn't, you know, give him that go-ahead, the fight wouldn't have been able to continue, man. You know, who knows how, how that could have, you know, affected the bout. Yep. Oh, you know, man. So. That would have been trash, man. Did you talk about Lubin yet? About who? About Lubin. Nah, that's it. I don't know. It's like you're in and out. Hold hold on a second. I I might have to fix something on my end uh, there because I got something different going down here uh, for this show. Um, All right. What you got going? Which which fight you was talking about? Nah, I don't want to talk about Lubin. That fight was trash, man. Oh, nah, nah. uh Uh-uh, nah, 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 nah. There's, there's, There's no reason to talk about that particular fight. You know, I mean, like, if they would have actually did something in round one, like they did in round eight, then okay, we would have, you know, said, oh, that was a pretty good fight. But nothing really happened in those first seven rounds, man. And I'm like, come on. Like, this is something to the point where, you know, after the fight, I said, okay, Lubin wins, and he keeps his position in the WBC rankings, and they say he is likely going to be a mandatory for one of those belts uh, for the fight that's happening uh, this coming Saturday. Mm-hmm. But I posed the question after the fight. I said, even if I took away Lubin against the Charlo and Rosario winner, would he be favored against fighters that were former world champions in nope. Jared Hurd, Julian nope. Williams, or Tony nope. Harrison. I don't think he'd be favored against Sebastian Fundora. Ooh. And Fundora beat um <laughs> and Fundora beat Gallimore <laughs> and beat yep. Gallimore yep. pretty convincingly. Yeah. You know? Uh, listen, Lubin <laughs> All them all them muscles. And he can't put not one muscle in that chin. Come on, man. Yeah, that that's not a good look when you in you were at one fifty four and you built like that and you're not a heavy mm-hmm. hitter, man. That that can't work. You know, that can't work, especially when you know you're going up against guys that yeah, they make one fifty four but you know Going into the ring, they could be 164. Yep. You know, or 170. Why, why does he not throw punches? I don't know. <laughs> My 
Jesus Christ. What, 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 I, and Kevin Cunningham, I like the guy, but he was shit in the corner. He was <laughs> telling him, oh, no, keep doing what you're doing. You can go 20 rounds uh, at this pace. No shit. He's not doing no <laughs> I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. Like, what no. is going on here? I'm like, bro. I was like, this this thing look was looking like Laura Garcia all over again, man. Yeah. I couldn't believe it, man. Wh- which fight was worse, this fight or um, a Jogba versus Rice? <sighs> a Jogba versus Rice. <laughs> Because before you got on this uh, thing here, I was talking about that fight. And when we talk about the heavyweight division, and you have someone in F.A. Jogba, and where he is supposedly ranked in the heavyweight division in comparison to Jonathan Rice and where he's ranked in the heavyweight Mm -hmm. division, if you're supposed to be this guy that has all of this talk about you know, do you, and you're going up against a guy that's not supposed to be on your level. You're supposed gotta to get him out of there. there. Gotta get him out of there. I and, think, um, our jock was gonna get sent to hell by Jared Anderson. If, I, if I'm Jared Anderson, I'm asking for that fight now. Oh, Forget let me oh, let me road. call him. Let me call up the trainer, man. Let me call him up. <laughs> I'm gonna call him right, up. I would, be like, I yo. Would, I would right be now. like uh, F.A. Jogba. Jogba looks like shit. And <laughs> you know, at least when he was fighting on PBC cards, he was at least exciting. You know, the fights weren't boring. But this was just trash. He looked like but, trash, and the fight was boring. But, in, in, but here, even with those fights that he had against, you know, Kalazde and Kajanu, and even here against, you know, Rice. He's still open for getting hit with the right hand. Yeah. And I'm like, just wait until he fights someone that is even near his level or someone that has something behind their right hand. He will get dropped and he won't get up. He will not get up. So I'm like, man. I think Pop Ray going to keep him. Uh, they gonna, what, what Shannon Briggs call it? They're going to give him some pies. They're going to give him a little bit more pies. I'm telling you. Yeah. He's not going to be fighting anybody worth a damn. Yeah. But it don't matter, man. I, I, I'm going to send that message out, man. I'm going to be like, yo, y'all got to find a way to get a fight with <laughs> Yeah, get a, get a with the in the ring now. Yeah, Anderson is ass right now. Yeah, exactly, man. So there's that. Um, you know, ten minutes left in this last session. Less than ten minutes left in last session. You call in three four seven two three seven five five three nine. One of the you know move forward next week. Pay per view double header, man. The card of the year. Yo, me, yo, it, it's got to happen, man. Yo, 
Yo, I got, I, I, yo, I got to do it, man. I got to do it. Yo, I, I downloaded, I downloaded the Showtime app. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I downloaded, I downloaded the Showtime app. That's gonna be the card of the year, bro. Just so, just so I can have this one <laughs> pay per view. Goodbye, <laughs> man. Card of the year. Card of the year, bro. Like we got. We got these fights, man. Neri Alameda, Casamero, Mike, Murtazalia versus Woods, Figueroa versus Vasquez, Daniel Ramon versus Juan Carlos Payano, and mm-hmm. the Charlo brothers in action. Yeah. yeah, I know what I said about the Charlo brothers, but look, we got to buy this sack on pay per view. We have and to. And, and here's the reason why. Because they black. God damn it. That's why. That's why I'm buying it. Because they black. <laughs> Blackity, black, black, black. <laughs> yeah, that's why. I'm black, black, y'all. And I'm black, y'all. And I'm yeah. black, and black. And I'm black, y'all. <laughs> uh, I'm sick of people thinking black people don't buy pay-per-views. Like, we not real boxing fans. Fuck you, Steve Kim. Yeah. Yo. But here's the other thing, man. And this goes to the whole thing that happened as far as, like, the action uh, this week. We got to get into these, and I'm going to just straight up say it, like, this is not, you know, one of these PG-13 shows and shit. I just proved it. But we got to get on these motherfuckers. Yes, I said it. Yep. That are supposedly in boxing media uh-huh. and want to shit on the sport and turn around and boost a whole nother sport or a whole nother combat sport when Teddy you Atlas. don't even work for them. Teddy Atlas. And you better believe that I called Teddy Atlas out about it. Yep. And I don't want to talk about it. Ray Forrest sent him to hell. (laughs) Yeah, Ray Forrest did. And I don't blame him. Because you got people like him. You got people like Mike Coppinger. You got Mm -hmm. other people that are supposedly covering the sport of boxing on the athletic. Yes, I'm calling y'all out. You know, and nobody. You mean to tell me that not one single thing was reported live either through the athletic or through your pages in reference to the action that was going on last night? Nope. And nope. you're supposed to be covering the sport of boxing? Yeah. That's BS. But here's the funny thing about the athletic. The Athletic is complaining about the Charlo pay-per-view being on pay-per-view and $75, but you want us to pay $50 to read your shit? The fuck out To read? $50 to read? I don't think so. Read? Yeah. Read? $50? These guys, yeah. I lost a goddamn mind. I could read that shit for free in the library. But I got to pay you to read. But the Charlos can't have people pay to see them fight. 
and and it kind of like goes into this thing here too. Um, is that kind of like it's similar to when they kind of complained about Errol Spence when he first had his pay per views. Uh-huh. And, and then you have this fight, you know, okay, you have the fight with Mikey Garcia, and then you have the fight with Sean Porter. And Sean, that Sean Porter fight was a great fight. Yep. Definitely great fight. And you're going to get great fights out of this particular card. Absolutely. I'm seeing it happening, you know. Guaranteed. You're going to get to hell on this card, too. So... So my thing is, is like, okay, why are you talking about that when you don't talk about that with other pay-per-views that happen mm-hmm. in one sense? And then, like I say, you're going to shit on the sport and turn around and then talk about another combat sport that has yeah. nothing to do with boxing. One. Yep. And two, their target audience is nowhere near what boxing brings. Uh, nowhere I'm pretty near. sure that ain't no Trump supporters watching PBC boxing. You sure about that? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, full on MAGA, full on <laughs> the full on we hate black people. We hate minorities. Yeah, full on, we hate black people, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Skinhead white guys all around like homosexuals. They're not watching PBC. <laughs> oh, man. But my thing is, as a sport, what's it? All right. Shoot, you give me this damn warning and shit? All right. Um, but. Yo, given that, I'm like, yo, all of these people that want to just bash the sport, yo, we, we got to, like, yo, just kind of clean them out the sport or, you yeah. know, people that want to complain about this happening and that happening. And, uh, yeah, go ahead and work yeah. for USC. You, you, <laughs> like, I, mean, what I, you. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, being a uh, – you know, you want to talk about what, what UFC does, go ahead and work for them. See if they have exactly. some job openings for you. But if they if, if you want to talk shit about UFC, you ain't getting no credentials no more. That's how UFC Oh, guaranteed. And that is how, I think that's how PBC should be. You want to talk shit? You know, oh, Mike Coppinger, Lance Puckmeyer, sorry, no credentials for you, buddy. That's exactly what the UFC would do. Kevin Ioli, you fat fuck. No credentials for you. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. That's what that's what PBC should do. Treat these motherfuckers the same way UFC treats their reporters. If you are not uplifting the sport, if you're not bringing positivity to the sport and bringing viewers to the sport, then we don't want you covering our sport. They don't. They don't have no right events. They don't have no right to do that. Right. They should just not credential them. Write about that shit from your fucking house then. Yep, that's what, that's what I was 
Yep, that's all they can basically. That's what they should basically do. And yeah. you know, it kind of like had this same thing, you know, brought up in reference to certain um, quote unquote um, boxing media that want to that basically complain about you know trying to say that oh they should get priority over everybody uh they should limit the amount of people that should be at these events and uh they should just get everything from us and I'm like man that ain't exactly. how this shit work bro exactly that ain't even how this shit work I'm like look we know where the sport of boxing is as far as like the overall landscape of things. However, right now at this particular point, the way that the sport is covered is much bigger than it has been past ten years. Yep. And if you if these organizations, if these promotional companies or whatever want to have even more interest in the sport to where they get more money that gets into the sport. They got to get rid need of these to, people. They got to have these people out there, whether yeah. they, whether they, you know, cover the sport down the line or if they, you know, lean towards one side or not, it is what it is. But whether, you know, you got to have it. Because if you don't, then where, where will y'all be at in the overall landscape of things? Exactly. You know? And guess what? So, if they don't get these credentials, they're going to be looking for new jobs pretty soon because there's nobody going to care. Yep. yep. Nobody going to care. That's basically it. So there's, you know, that thing on, on the whole issue with certain members of boxing media slamming the sport of boxing. And yeah, I hate that. And and and, I, I, and we've been talking about it for the past few, almost for the past couple of months now. Ever since yeah. you know the return, that yeah. you know boxing has basically returned from you know their hiatus. You would, and you would it's think like, people no, would be happy. <laughs> no. You didn't have boxing for months. Now you got major boxing, and you're fucking complaining. Yeah, you can't make these people happy. So if you can't make them happy, then shoot, why are y'all still here? Why why? Why would you continue to be mad and continue to complain? That's a waste of time and a waste of energy. If you yep. don't like it, you can ride on out, bruh. Exactly. <laughs> That's basically it. You can ride on out, bruh. Exactly. I mean, that isn't really needed uh, in the sport. Now, yeah, go, go, um, go try to cover the NFL or the NBA that way. See how far you get. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> good luck with that, buddy. Now, um, one other thing that I, you know, wanted to talk about was, um, you know, kind of like something within the sport as far as like, you know, like expanding the sport, expanding interest in the sport. And it goes from, you know, it goes off of, uh, you know, a comment from a pro basketball player and, he said this after the action last night, and he said this as a fan, and it is the guard from the Portland Trail Blazers, Damian Lillard, or Dame Lillard, 
Uh, he says, the only thing in boxing that confuses me is how every time I see the decision at the end of a fight, I see belts around their waist. Like, how is everybody a champ? I watch a lot of fights. Less belts, please. And first of all, first of all, tell Dame Lou my his fucking business, all right? <laughs> okay? They got three all-NBA teams, three all-defensive teams, three all-rookie teams, and they got, like, fucking 40 all-stars, all right? Same <laughs> shit. Same shit, all right? Calm, calm down, Daniel Lillard. Like, <laughs> my fucking business, all right? It's the same concept. Look at the belts as all-NBA teams. You got first team, which is the WBC. You got second team, which is the WBA. And then you got third team, which is the IBF. And, and the WBO do not exist. Shout out to BBC. <laughs> okay, that's the way it goes. But what, what about the interim title in the European title? <laughs> Listen, that's an injury replacement on the All-Star team. This is not hard to get. <laughs> Injury replacement on the All Star team. Come on. I mean, I thought he, I thought he was, I thought he was bringing up a little bit of a point. Because, Come on, man, you a football fan? How many motherfuckers make the Pro Bowl? <laughs> Come on, man. What game actors? Oh, oh man. <laughs> Fifty-five people making the Pro Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> all NFL team, the All Bad team. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. oh boy. But I, I guess it goes with that whole little thing about them trying to compare that this shit to MMA. I'm like, bruh, listen, MMA ain't really exists as long as boxing does, and. Yep. The other thing is, it's like from a business standpoint, MMA people don't get paid, so they, they damn don't. sure don't. <laughs> and if, so, if MMA was really supposed to be like boxing, then the UFC champ would be fighting the Pride champ and the Bellator champ. Like yep. people don't understand, UFC is just one promotional company with entire sport. Boxing is the sport. Yep. Exactly. You know, you talk about mixed martial arts. Yeah, Bellator and UFC and and fight whatever. (laughs) But shout out to Dame, though. That's like WWE and WCW. Exactly. Exactly. uh, formerly TNA, or now or Impact Wrestling, and now you got what? Uh, <laughs> I'm like, come on, man! Like, jeez, that's that's just crazy, man. <laughs> but like, yo, like that. That's pretty much uh, you know what I have, man. I'm looking forward to this pay per view card, Showtime. Don't forget you know, tomorrow's the big day in boxing, man. Tomorrow? Yes. What is it, a purse bid? Yes. Wait, word? It's tomorrow? Canelo. Canelo. Come on. on. September 21st is here. 
Oh, ho, ho. And this one, this one, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Epic Sports and Entertainment. You can't participate in this particular purse bid. We don't want Canelo to be over in Bulgaria or anything like that. Okay? Uh, do you think the purse bid is even going to happen? Because they can't postpone it unless the sides are close to a deal. So if the purse bid doesn't happen, that would mean that Canelo pretty much folded uh, or he worked out something with the zone. And if he works out something with the zone, then what does that mean for Golden Boy? Because didn't the zone say that their problem is not with Canelo? Yep, that is what they said. But at the end of the day, if the zone thinks they could just uh, make deals with Canelo without Golden Boy, I'm pretty sure Golden Boy is going to slap them with a torturous. Interference lawsuit. Oh, screw them. They ain't got enough money to compete with the zone. They ain't got enough money to compete with the zone, perform group. Uh, that is true. Access That's industries or anything like that. Why do you think that once that initial lawsuit went down, the first thing that we were saying was as long as that thing kept going, nobody in Golden Boy promotions would be able yep. to fight. Nobody. Even Ryan Garcia still on Twitter even today saying, I just want my fight date. Bruh, I just want my fight fighting, date, so, man. Yeah, you're not nobody moves until Canelo moves. Like, people don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> nobody he's moves. Talking about, uh, who's he t- talking about fighting? Jake Paul. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, the zone might think that's a premier opponent. <laughs> like, come on, man. That's, that's crazy. Now, I don't, you know what? I don't think so, man. You know, but you know what, though? In reference to Ryan Garcia, you know what's so funny? That even with all the supposed buzz that Ryan Garcia has and giving off what happened in his previous fight, if they made any type of deal between Ryan Garcia and Luke Campbell, it could probably be in the UK. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. Funny thing is, though, why haven't turned in their contract, and why is this the WBC following up on this? They that's avoided the first bid by saying they reached a deal. Okay, mm-hmm. well, when's the fucking fight happening? What's the deal? Like, what's the, what's the details? There's no details. And like Ryan Garcia said, I just want a fight date. Well, yep. we don't have a fight date. So then yep. what's going on here? You know? Um, so there's that. Um, what, what's, what's your prediction for tomorrow? You think we're getting a purse bid or not? I want a purse bid so bad. Me too. Free Canelo, man. Free Canelo. Me too. <laughs> and, and, and shout out to Kobe Abridi. Um, I was just searched his name on Twitter to see some reaction to this fight. One person said 
still can't stop thinking about Kobe Abreu's performance last night. Can't wait to see him box again, knocked down twice, but never once looked defeated. Just yep. another obstacle to navigate. Got up, went 12 rounds with King Tug. Now everyone knows him. Yep. Shout out to Kobe, yeah, man. That's what's up. Yep, that's what I'm talking about, man. That's what I'm talking about. Um, I don't know if I want to kind of touch on this here or should I do a video on it, but, man, Bill Haney, come on, man. Stop it. Stop it, Bill Haney. Stop it. I'm going to tell you, I ain't even watched this thing about him claiming that he posted the details of the term sheet, but I'm going to say this. In I saw up- it. It was on his phone. It was on his oh, phone. Okay. And I, on his I phone, right? I a part of it. I screened, here's the funny part, because you know they try to say the zone was on the, the fucking deal behind okay. it. If you look at it, it says upon the written approval of PBC, the zone, and Matchroom USA. So that means they did not have approval, and you have to wait until you get approval before anything goes forward. Well, that 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 was one thing, but I may be mistaken on this screenshot of where they said that Bill Haney publicly posted the details of the term sheet. Uh huh. There looked to be a date of sorts within that screenshot. And that date said 2021. Yep. So with that being said, no one can claim that Gary Russell Jr. declined to have a fight with Devin Haney for November 7th because that was not specified in this term sheet that Bill Haney claims that he gave to Gary Russell Jr. Yeah, but here's the thing. Gary Russell is low-hanging fruit. Everyone knows that he's um, he's about his business, so he wants every last detail um, worked out before he steps to the ring. Bill Haney knows that. Devin Haney knows that. So they basically used Gary Russell for promo. That's all it basically yep. was. It's low-hanging fruit because they, yep. they know who the boxing public is going to side with. Everyone loves going up against Russell, you know? Yep. So, come on, man. It's bullshit. So that is why I feel like Mr. Gary Russell Jr. has a plan, and that plan is to move up have a fight at 135, fight a specific fighter at 135, and then say, if you really bout it, then let's see. And then now, who do you think that be... specific fighter is? Huh? Who do you think that specific fighter is? Well, I mean, my clue is, it's a fighter that was supposed to fight a few weeks ago but couldn't because his opponent 
tested positive for COVID-19. Oh, and boy. Okay. Because we, we've known people or fighters that have tested positive for COVID-19 or mm-hmm. their close trainers that have tested positive for COVID-19 and they rescheduled the bout. They didn't reschedule this bout. So that means that particular fighter is out of the picture, and the fighter that we're talking about is a PBC guy. Yep. And that guy is Javier Fortuna. Yep. And so, with Javier Fortuna being a highly ranked contender in the lightweight division in the WBC rankings, could have fought for the WBC Diamond title if he fought Jorge Linares. Now, he doesn't have a fight. Okay. Yep. Gary Russell Jr. don't have a fight either. So why not have those two guys fight? That's what I'm saying. I guess we'll see. Yeah, this whole PR thing, though, with uh, Devin Haney, I'm like, come on, we already knew that he was going to fight Yuri Orkis Gamboa. We've known that for months. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, people were not feeling this fight initially, so they had to get someone else in order to save face. And so they said, oh, let's call out Gary Russell Jr. And that's basically what they did. And now yep. it's like, okay, look how we're messing up as far as, like, trying to make this seem like we actually have a fight. No, y'all don't. Y'all never wanted to have a fight, especially not no, in, in November, um, especially now because that's supposed to be, what, November 7th? Okay, let's see, November 7th. That's one, two, three... <laughs> Four, five, six, six or seven weeks. And you usually yeah. have an eight week training camp, right? Okay. Yep, that's six weeks. Yep, and it's six weeks. So we pretty much know that they are already in camp for their opponent, and their opponent is already in camp for them. So it's not Gary Russell Jr., folks. It's going to be Yuri Orkis Gamboa. And, <laughs> oh, well. You mean to tell me that all these guys in the lightweight division got these fights of this magnitude? And <laughs> Devin Haney is fighting Yuri Orkis Gamboa. Not even a former champion, at, you know, like a recent champion like Richard Comey. You couldn't even get him to fight Richard Comey? <laughs> you couldn't even get in a fight. <laughs> Shoot, even Eva Mendy, like you couldn't even get that. But no, you got Yuri Yerkes Gamboa, who lost his fight to Tank Davis, and for some reason, he's ranked number ten in the WBC. Makes no sense. Sense. Unless you know what it's about. And we know what it's about. So, 
that's the thing there with Evan Haney. He ain't want to fight Gary Russell Jr. And that is what it is with that. So that's what I got in reference to this particular portion of the Boxing Source radio show. It was a packed show. Big thanks to Nafir Charles and Chris Casey for coming on at the first segment of the show. And then Kobe and Soldier Breedy and Coach Floyd Seymour calling in uh, to give their comments of, you know, what happened last night. Um, you know, we look forward to more from Kobe and Soldier Breedy. Um, we're going to see what's up with Nafir Charles next sa- Saturday over in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And then... Yep. We got the pay-per-view doubleheader coming let's up. Come on, let's 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 get this our first pay-per-view for boxing. This is what we got. We got to do this, man. We got to do this, man. That's it. So it's not like <laughs> you know what I ain't even go going there. <laughs> you gotta, y'all, y'all gotta watch these fights, man. I don't care, man. Y'all gotta find a way to watch these fights here on pay-per-view. All right, all right. So that's it for the Boxing Source Radio Show. We will be back same time, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time Live Sunday next week to go over that pay-per-view. And like I said at the end of every show, folks, upon the boxing is a hit and not get hit. Not to stand the trade. On that note, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody. Bomb squad, baby.